Welcome back to another episode of The Geek Whisperers. I'm John Mark Troyer. And I'm Amy Lewis. And I'm Matt Broberg. And um, we have a really interesting show for you today here. Uh, our guest is Dave Henry. This is another, well, it's a couple things, right? Amy, Matt, we, um, we've, uh, we're talking with another person who's had an interesting job search. Um, this person did not quit their job because of us, which is, I think, a bonus, um, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> we need less but, casualties. <laughs> we, we know a lot of people who have um, multiple job skills who are both technologists and communicators and who don't necessarily fit into an org chart um, in one comfortable spot. They are uh, neither purely SE nor purely marketer nor purely uh, IT manager or, you know, purely any one thing. And so this is a tale from, uh, we call those people unicorns because they are kind of hard to find. Um, and so this is a tale of the unicorn horde herd <laughs> uh, tier with our guest, uh, Dave Henry. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, Dave, you let, set I thought us you were up. Say unicorn horde. <laughs> I think well, that's where I was headed. I think. I think all of the but above. It's, it's actually a blessing of unicorns. That's what a group of unicorns is called. So, <laughs> let's find out what that means. <laughs> <laughs> the um, so Dave set us up a little bit. Part of this is you wrote a blog post. It was a super interesting blog post, and uh, I think it's worth uh, kind of framing uh, the topic here today. You are you are on the job hunt, but um, you know, talk a little bit about um, maybe start with what you're currently doing and how you ended up where you are. Yeah, so I spent the last five years working for uh, you know, a value-added reseller and systems integrator, and you know, very small company. Um, number of people-wise, we were about thirty people spread up and down the East Coast. Everybody was working remotely from each other. And 2016 was the first year the company cleared 100 million in revenue. Um, and you know, for 30 people, that's that's a pretty good number. And one of the things I really liked about working for the company is there wasn't a separation between, you know, pre-sales engineers and implementation engineers. We just had engineers. And that was something that really resonated with our customers and with prospects. But I could come in and talk to them about what type of design we might help them meet, figure out their requirements, help them figure out what solution would meet their requirements, design the system. And then they'd know that the person who had designed the solution would be the person who'd come on site to actually implement it, configure it, and would be the person that could call on the phone three months later and say, hey, I had a question about this thing. And that that single point of technical contact that we're able to provide the customer, and in some cases, was what made the sale over some other vendors. Right. And that meant you as an impl- as a technologist, you weren't just a salesperson. You uh, were also an implementer and, you know, you could stand behind what you helped them. You helped them sell. You helped kind of sell it. You helped build it. And then you helped make sure that it still ran. Right. So you you were yeah. you were uh, many hats. Now, before this, you had actually been at a much bigger company, right? I was at EMC for seven years before before that. And uh, over the course of my time there, I was in three different roles uh, over the seven years. So I was doing um, pre-sales support for the inside sales team. Then I spent a couple of years in the competitive intelligence group. That was where I got my first ever experience in doing whiteboard videos, at, which was amazing mm-hmm. to me after the years of face for radio jokes that I had been had to listen to. <laughs> that suddenly, uh, <laughs> that my whiteboard videos became the most downloaded internal content. Then later, I was in a you know. A technical marketing role in the EMC and VMware overlap. So you've done technical marketing. You've done you've done uh, 
education, the kinds of enablement kinds of things. So yeah, you are really, you have your, you did have had your feet in many different, uh, uh, buckets of poop. Yeah, I was going to say, whoa, buckets of poop. I don't know how we got there. I was going to say in the in the Pokemon <laughs> metaphor. the unicorn thing. I don't know. In the Pokemon metaphor, you really felt like you had to catch them all, huh, Dave? Like you've got pretty much every job you could have that's technical and customer facing in uh, in just a, a couple companies. I think that's really interesting because so what kind of skills percolate up to the top? Like what's your favorite type of job as you're doing these many things? You know, there's always been the technology and hands-on. Um, you know, what I would always say in, in job interviews is if I have one specialty, it's that I'm a generalist. You know, I may not be able to talk storage as deep as the guys who can tell you exactly what the ones and zeros are doing inside the RAID controller, but I know far more about the network than he does. And I may not be able to, you know, go down into the actual, you know, payloads of the packets and exactly how they're moving from one switch to the other as far as you know the network engineer but i know more about how the database works than than she does nice hey amy you coined the term unicorn to mean a technical person who's also a multi-skilled technical person communicator uh several years ago with the geek whispers and uh I think that might have even been before uh, billion-dollar startups were called unicorns. But anyway, it was it was uh, it was an attempt to say that these people were kind of uh, mythical and hard to find, but very valuable. Does Dave, in fact, qualify to be called a unicorn? Absolutely. In some ways, the basic working definition is to be technical and be able to communicate that. You know, having having two strengths there is the rare combination because often we can communicate things but don't have that depth of knowledge or we have the depth of knowledge and then struggle to communicate it in a way that a lot of other people can can hear it. So, uh, but I think the flip side and something we've discovered on more than one occasion of the more adept and multifaceted a unicorn you are, the harder it can be to find the, that right role, that right fit. Um, and it can be on both sides. You know, a company can... Uh, feel they've got more of a, a Henry Ford model, you know, where everybody does kind of uh, a task start to finish and you pass it down the assembly line. So from an org chart perspective, people can have great rigidity in, in what they want to do. Um, and I think for unicorns, it can be challenging because they tend to be very highly motivated, highly successful people, but they have many different interests. And so therefore it's, uh, not unlikely, we've had that conversation many times here on the Geek Whispers of unicorns wanting to change jobs because something else pulls them because they have so many interests. That, okay, so so Dave, you've been validated. You are you are okay. a unicorn. Yeah, I can look to very early on in my career. Um, so I've been earning a living full time in IT since uh, 1987. Uh, don't do the math; it's only going to make me feel old. Um, but the first jobs I worked, like the first three or four companies in a row I worked for, were developing operating systems in-house. And so you ended up, you know, as in the role of the sysadmin there, I ended up talking to people with very different experiences and levels of experience with, with things. And so when I had fixed the problem on the mail server, you know, I'd have to explain to the, the guy who was coding some of the OS internals, what the problem had been and what I'd done to fix it. And I'd also have to explain it to the receptionist who still didn't quite understand why they wanted her to have a computer on her desk. Um, and you can't give each of them the same answer and have either of them be satisfied with it. 
Mm-hmm. And so you, I you know, got to be very adept at, you know, shifting gears conversationally to still, you know, describe, hey, the mail server was broken and I fixed it. You know, I would just tell the receptionist, hey, there was a problem with some new hardware we added, but we figured it out. And I would have to tell the developer, well, we had bought a new time to disk drive and we added it onto the end of the SCSI chain. And it turns out that the way it sends back the signal that the chain's been terminated is different. So I actually had to go into the code and tweak the device driver. And be like, oh, well, show me what you did within that so that we can make sure we add it to the next version of ROS so that we'll recognize that that new type of disk drive when we see it automatically. And we, But, you know, if I'd given either of them the answer I gave the other, they'd both, you know, they'd be mad at me. Uh, I always go back to the Hitchhiker's Guide and think of the babblefish. Like I, I feel like you're a perfect babblefish where you hear something and you are able to turn it back into that that other person's native language. Like that, you speak many native languages very easily. But Dave, you've also used uh, a metaphor that's handy, especially something startup people can relate to, of saying, you know, the many hats that you find that you end up wearing multiple hats in each and every one of your your jobs, especially in the smaller side, um, which is something doesn't always work that way in the Henry Ford model of, of team building that Amy was talking about. So when you are sorting your hats, which, which hats tend to be your main job versus the nice-to-have bonus skills you have? I'm, I'm going to do the, the engineer's thing to you and tell you that it depends. Um, and the way you can tell a good engineer from a bad engineer is that the bad engineer simply leaves it at it depends and the good engineer will actually start to talk about what it depends on um it really depends on what the original job was looking for i would say in the tech marketing role i had at emc the ability to communicate or translate those technical ideas into some into visuals into graphics into ways that people could convey the concepts yeah here convey the idea of these technical um, features will give your business the following tangible benefits Um, was much more important than being able to explain how the VAI primitives worked on the the storage array and how that worked within VMware. You know, the fact that I could also do that provided plus because then when you weren't just talking to the business side at a customer, when they brought in their tech guy, and he started to question you at the, the the second or third level deeper, being able to, like, without breaking stride, give him the answers to that question as well, his questions. All of a sudden, you've, you've completely been validated in his eyes as, oh, he's not just giving us the marketing stuff and the, the business guys, the info they want to need. This guy actually knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And then in other positions, you know, if I, you know, for example, you know, my last job, I think it really was the uh, the technical side, you know, being able to understand what things do, knowing how to design a solution, knowing how to implement it efficiently was more important. And then when the company started focusing on, you know, wanting to get the website updated and things like that, that the additional communication skills or marketing skills came in as the, the nice bonus. Yep, yep. You know, I, I sometimes wish life was simpler, right? I sometimes wish in my career... I had been in a, in a, in a I, w- I wish I was like a CPA, right, with a track, right? And they even, it's so tracked, they have, you know, uh, you know, certifications at different levels. 
or <laughs> they have um, tracks on their tracks. <laughs> exactly, and they have a progression, or or even like an account rep, right? A sales a sales executive, right? Y- you know, whether you're working for Oracle or whether you're working for uh, you know uh, you know uh, uh, Salesforce or whatever, you know, you, you kind of know what you're doing, right? Um, it's the same game. It's the same, you know, what's your number and, and what, what are you t- asking me to sell? And, uh, you, you have some psychology and some, and you know how to do consultative selling. Um, it just seems simpler somehow than like every job has a different competency, but, um, but that's the world we live. That actually is some of the value technologists bring to the table. So Dave, what are you in now? What are you looking for? One thing that struck me, um, in your blog post was that, you actually even couldn't pin yourself down to an org chart position, uh, even in your blog post. You were like, or even a, a type of company, you were like, well, I could work for another VAR. I'd be interested in talking to you. Or, you know, I'd be working talking for a vendor, a manufacturer of some sort. Or even I would be uh, interested in talking to an analyst and doing research and doing pure communication skills and things like that. And Dave, I also run a consulting company. You know, that might also be another, you know, a marketing consulting mm-hmm. company. It could even be a, a one, something that somebody that you talk to. So what, how, let's maybe pivot a little bit to search strategies. Like, are you, are you literally talking to people from all these different kinds of, same industry, but different, different silos in that industry? Uh, right now, I'm actually in some conversations with a vendor um, who's looking for someone in a, a product marketing type role. I'm also talking to a VAR who's looking for someone in more of an an SE sort of type role, more more towards the pre-sale side, but mm-hmm. willing to consider the bonus that, hey, I could actually do implementations too, Um puts me ahead of some of their other candidates and i'm also in discussion with a company who is looking for someone who would come in on site and you know manage their entire virtual infrastructure and i would say the most interesting one that seemed to come at me from from out of left field is uh talking with a couple people at a company who is looking for someone who knows the entire it infrastructure stack to help write scripts and programs to automate all the processes. Mm. And they're actually using a programming language that I've never programmed in before. And so when we had the first conversation, I said, look, I just want to be really upfront here. This may not be a good fit for me because I've, I've never used that language. And I don't want to you know, inadvertently represent myself as something I'm not. And they said, oh, no, we're like, for us right now, it's more important to find someone who understands the workings of the things he'd be automating. Just from a tactical, so that's really pers- interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. Um, just from a tactical perspective, do you, and people ask this, right? Um, you're obviously working through your network. Uh, do you actually have a an actual updated resume? A, and also, do you have um, uh, have you applied to any jobs that just from a job listing, or has it all been through the network? Um, I do have an updated resume. Um, <laughs> I did spend, uh, you know, the first uh, 24 hours after getting the news uh, that things were shifting at work, it, moving to a one-hat-per-person uh, model, um, updating the resume, making sure it was good to go. And then uh, so far, uh, well, a couple have things I've been submitted to through a system, but it's been someone within the network saying, hey, they actually do employee referral bonuses here. Would you mind rather than you submitting on our website if I submit on our <laughs> yeah, website? Yeah, yeah. In which case, my answer is absolutely, please feel free. Like, you know, if you're helping me find what could be my dream job, 
I really have no problem if someone pays you a bonus for helping me out. Um, but but I would like to point out you did not send out you have not sent out ten thousand resumes to blind listings from uh, Indeed.com or something like that. I haven't done anything like that. So Dave. You're excited by programming. You're excited by communication and engineering uh, in more of a sales-oriented role. Um, That's amazing that you have the skills and interest across the board uh, to look at uh, when you're not comparing along the lines of those sort of titles and and that, that side of the fence. What are the things that make a difference as you're comparing and contrasting opportunities? You know, I want to make sure that I'm still in some sort of role where I get get to be hands-on with some of the technology. Um, I never want to, I, I don't know what the right way to describe it is. I don't ever want to lose the technical edge. Um, one of the things that's kept me in this field, you know, for as many years as I've stayed here is like, it's always changing. There's always new stuff to learn. Um, and I love learning. I love, you know, I read everything I can get my hands on. I, I you know, I want to, I always want to play with whatever is the new hotness, whatever the next cutting edge thing going to be. So I definitely want to be in a position where I'm still exposed to new technologies. But I also want to be in a position where I'm having regular discussions with the end users. Some, or if I'm in a company, whether it's a vendor or a bar, I want to be having regular conversations with customers because the customers are going to be – so you, you know, they're going to know what they need in the next version of the product long before we'll, anybody else would know. And I think you can, I've seen too many product managers who never talk to customers and you seem to lose touch. So how do you narrow your focus? So is it, is it, I think about, we, we just had Aaron Delp on recently and he is someone I admire for being so prescriptive and uses that engineer brain to sort of, um, run things on spreadsheets and, and very analytical, um, you know, I am guilty of of the golden gut marketing all the time and doing things by, I feel like marketing by sense of smell practically. Um, where do you fall kind of on that spectrum? How do you know a good thing when you see it? What are what are some of the things that either make you eliminate things or or how do you how do you narrow the focus? So when you mentioned you know somebody being a master spreadsheet, so what I think of you know the, the thought that comes to mind with me with a spreadsheets is there a, a filtering and funneling kind of object you know it, it's big at the top and you get all sorts of extra data but you're you're working down to like that one final cell in the the spreadsheet that'll give you the the uh, the final answer and uh, the tool i use when i'm thinking or brainstorming i guess goes in the opposite direction i like to do mind mapping um when i'm looking at things it's some software that i do that and so i start with like a central core idea and then i'm going off and when i started realizing okay it's time to start the job search i you know open up my mind map software and i put in a what do i want in a job as the central idea and started you know building branches off of that in different directions and uh trying to do that so you know the ideal job would be you know how would i know if it you know if i can look at the uh the different main branches there and say, yeah, it's a hit. It's a fit in that one. It's a fit in this one. It's a fit this. Hey, it's only a 75% hit in, you know, the, the six out of six branches, but it's, it's in the above 90% each of the other branches. Hey, that's pretty good. So I that's guess it's genius. It's part analytical and, and part, part. Gut. How in I, your, or go ahead, uh, Amy, ask your follow up. 
No, I was going to say anytime the gut is affirmed, I feel like uh, doing a little standing ovation out here in podcast. Oh, land. like you're the only one that believes in God on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's sprinkle well, some know, analytics on top, and everything gets better. But. <laughs> the the over the years, you this is not your first rodeo. No, it's not. Then you know, so you can, you, the gut just starts to. I don't know if it's gut or if it's learned, you know, mm-hmm. learned reflexes or muscle memory. But after all, you start to see very few symptoms, and you can say, "Oh, the root cause is really over there somewhere." <laughs> I I am so I am truly uh, disturbingly uh, choose things by gut, and and we have joked be on this podcast before in the wayback machine. Some of my job hunting process was uh, Kat Troyer actually telling me, you know, Amy, if the decision and the act of making a decision is making you ill, that's probably telling you something. <laughs> so um, I think sometimes we, we, I, I love your point in saying that if we are so swayed by the, the money or what we think should be glamorous instead of our own instincts, um, maybe it truly would be a wonderful, wonderful job for somebody else. But if it just doesn't resonate with us, then yeah, I know it sounds simple, but we are all guilty of that, of, um, you know, my classic, my other example is always the outdoor music fest. Everybody, it sounds great. All my favorite bands, you know, it sounds like such a good idea. People talk about how much fun outdoor mm-hmm. multi-day concerts are and, I couldn't be more miserable when I'm at them. <laughs> it, it just no, because I fall prey to that. The good marketing, you know, and it sounds as funny as it is. I think great jobs can sometimes sound like that, and they are truly wonderful, but for somebody else, right? And, and then the, the reality is, you're in, sitting in the mud, and it's loud, and there's people everywhere all the time, and you know, and, and porta potties. Can we just the say? Outdoor- you know, the outdoor music festivals I've gone to, I'm happy I went to them. I had had a good time, and I don't need to do them anywhere near as often anymore. So, so I get that. But yeah. there's, a, uh, there's a decision-making uh, methodology that was taught to me back when I was in college. When you're having trouble accessing your gut reaction to something, it's the way to like bring it to the forefront. So, Is there a short version of it? Yeah. But, so the short version is he said – Tom Greenley said, told me, he said, look – First thing you got to do is you got to narrow the decision down to two choices because mm. the human brain That's true. really is is binary. It's a binary system because a neuron is either on or off, and so you got to get it narrowed down to two. And so it might be: Do I take this job or that job? Or do I say yes to this job offer, or do I say no to it? And he said, "Great." He said, "Once you get it down to two, he reaches into his pocket, then he pulls out a quarter. He says, and then you say, okay, taking the job.'" If it comes up heads, you're going to take the job. If it comes up tails, you're not going to take the job. Okay, clear? Heads, job, tails, not the job. And then he flips the coin. So he flips it, goes up in the air, he catches it, puts it over the back of his hand, and then he stops and he says, never look at the quarter. <laughs> never look at it. He said, making an important life decision based on the flip of a coin is stupid. <laughs> making a flip of a major life decision based on your reaction. He said, some point when that quarter, probably about the point it hit the top of its arc, you found yourself going, oh, I hope it's heads or I hope it's tails or, oh, please, God, not heads. Please, God, not tails. In that moment, you made your decision. It's the, uh, never the Harry Potter. It's the Harry Potter, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. 
<laughs> right. Well, well, right. But Big you know, as soon as because once you get it down to oh no, heads is going to be that job, tails is going to be that one. You know, in the moment that that quarter again, about the time it hits the top of the arc, everybody starts rooting for one, either heads or tails. It's really and true. It's like okay, and in many cases, it means you actually already made had in the past made the decision. You just weren't able to like get it to the surface. And so when, when suddenly the time pressure of the quarter, and like, wait, if it comes to tails, am I really going to go work for those guys? I don't want to work for you. Oh, okay, good. Now oh. you know. Well, um, well, Amy, why don't you ask uh, our final question to young my, Master Henry? <laughs> my favorite question. Um, so, Dave, I have known you for quite some time and I absolutely adore your positive energy, but we are all about some of the negative space here too, just like the FedEx logo. So if you had some advice for your, your fellow curious, multi-talented engineers, um, on your sort of job hunt or on your search, what is something you would counsel them to never, ever do again? So, yeah, if I got to do, um, yeah, got to go back and get a do-over um, as applied to this particular topic. You know, the job title I was hired in at my last job was very clearly limited to a particular area. And uh, I would have wanted the fact that I was crossing buckets, crossing zones, crossing departments. I don't know what the right division word is. I would have wanted that made clear from the beginning that that was going to be explicitly part of my job description. Oh, I like that. Mm, so because, gonna because be... that wasn't part of the explicit, then the other stuff just came as bonus. But then that bonus, was, you know, people would ask me, you know, well, so what do you do? You know, when I just meet someone and I finally reached the point where my answer was, uh, nobody knows. <laughs> and then that's actually like, not a great that's not a great corporate answer it's it's not a great corporate answer and and people would you know react like what and i'm like no no it's not like it's secret or anything it's just i don't my job description has just expanded so much over the past years it doesn't really fit in a category i can tell you my job title but that doesn't necessarily tell you you know we interviewed a, a new engineer over the phone at one point a couple of years ago he asked me to describe uh a typical day and at the at the job for me and I just started laughing. And I'm like, if I ever have one, I'll let you know. I can tell you what I did yesterday and I can tell you what's on the calendar for tomorrow. But you know, the thing I loved about the job was, you know, one day I'd be actually lifting heavy equipment and installing it in racks and getting it working. And the next day I'd be, you know, giving a presentation at some local conference or to a customer. And the day after that, I'd be working on a PowerPoint. And the day after that, I'd be visiting four different customers to, you know, talk to them, designing solutions for them. And I never did anything, any one thing long enough to even get the slightest bit bored with it. Mm. And I love the the answer in that it is what I think we really preach here, that diversity of skills doesn't have to be um, a liability. But I really appreciate your counsel in, in saying structure it that way up front. Make it part of what you're doing and make it a positive thing. And then you don't have to answer for it, so to speak. Um well. And on my yeah. team, we've retitled people on more than one occasion exactly for that. There is great oh, power cool. within the corporate structure to retitle people. It helps um, a lot. Of, oftentimes, I've done it with um, earlier in career folks because 
they needed that firm kind of reset of they're no longer the assistant this or the specialist that. Um, but somebody else may have really shifted focus in a way that retitling or expanded focus that it, you taught me this, John, there's great power in a name. We've talked about it often with naming programs, but I think Dave's point's a splendid one that if you create that broad enough title, it forces people to reckon with you in a different way. Hmm. And, and I think that's, you know, even within, if you just say, okay, there's the technical side and there's the more communication or marketing side. Well, even within one of those categories, like, you know, I know, especially from the technical side, they wanted to, you know, people want to put you in a box within that box. You know, well, are you a storage guy? Are you a network engineer? Do you do security? And they want you to, you know, pick a specialization within that specialization. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, I've had many times, you know, I was at one customer site and the work we were doing on installing their, their storage system and uh, we're going to helping them move some, uh, convert some physical service to virtual ones. Um, work had to stop at one point because they had a network outage. And so they were like, well, you might as well just go back to the hotel and spend the rest of the day. We'll let you know if we can get it working tomorrow. And so we weren't going to be able to build them for any more hours that day. That was like, um, I've worked on this kind of network before. I could stay around and help you try and troubleshoot and diagnose the network problem. And, you know, suddenly the customer was happy again. You know, we actually solved the problem later that afternoon. Um, because I was just able to shift gears and help them diagnose the network. If we'd sent a pure storage guy, uh, sorry, someone who worked purely and only on storage guy to that assignment, or someone who worked only on VMware to that assignment, the guy would have had to go home, and nobody would have billed for time for that. Hey, Dave, um, that is a that I love the I love the story. Uh, it shows the uh, value of being a utility player like that. Um, if people do want to read the blog post that you wrote or uh, stalk you online or perhaps hire you, where would they look? Where would they find you? Well, you can find me online at geekfluent.com. Um, that name came from, you know, early on being, I would say in interviews, I speak both fluent geek and fluent human. Nice. <laughs> and can translate between the two. And, uh, or they can find me on Twitter at Dave M. Henry. Mm-hmm. Hey, so um, so Dave, uh, thank you so much. I wish you, we wish you all the best on the job hunt. I sounds like uh, things are already happening. May you always have a clear mission. Hey, man. So Dave, uh, thanks so much for joining us and uh, thank you for, for this. Me. Yeah, yeah. And for this time, uh, this has been another episode of the Geek Whispers. You've been listening to the Geek Whispers podcast. Tune in on iTunes or Stitcher for regular stories of technology careers, cultures, and lives. Share it with a friend or invite us to an event through our website, geek-whispers.com. Find us on Twitter at geek underscore whispers or at Jay Troyer, MJ Brender, and Comms Ninja. Thanks for listening and see you next time.